Hare Krishna. This is Ravindra Shukdas calling it. Um, you sound okay? So we're continuing with Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 22, called The Elements of Material Creation, Enumeration of the Elements of Material Creation, or the classification of elements. Now we, our last class was in some time ago. So I'm going to uh, do a little review. We've gotten up to text number seven. So first I'll give a little uh, background. Uh, this chapter is summarized by Vishnath Chakravarti. He says in the 22nd chapter, the elements are enumerated with clarification of any contrary explanations and questions about prakriti and the jiva and about birth and death are explained. Having clearly understand, understood the meaning of karmakanda, Uddhava now begins to ask about the meaning of jnanakanda. Now when we say jnana here, uh, it, it refers to uh, Prabhupada in the Bhagavad Gita uh, uses the word jnana to refer to Sankhya philosophy as well as to Vedanta. It's kind of in his view uh, Sankhya lets you understand the difference between matter and spirit and, uh, and so you know you're not your body but uh, in Vedanta, at least theistic Vedanta, takes you up to the relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So in the beginning of this uh, text, uh, 1 to 3, Uddhava asked the Lord to explain why philosophers have differing views concerning the elements of creation. And this uh, verse is all, chanted, is all chanted, all put together. Uddhava inquired, my dear Lord, O Master of the Universe, how many different elements of creation, how many different tattvas, the word used for elements of creation is tattva. You can say fundamental units or basic principles. How many different elements of creation have been enumerated by the great sages? I have heard you personally describe a total number of 28. God, the jiva soul, the mahatattva, Alt ego, excuse me, five gross elements, the ten senses, the mind, the five subtle objects of perception, and the three modes of nature. You add that all up, it's 28. But some authorities say there are 26 elements, while others cite 25, or else 7, 9, 6, 4, or 11, and even others say there are 17, 16, or 13. What did each of the sages have in mind when he calculated the creative elements in such different ways? O Supreme Eternal, kindly explain this to me. So that's his, uh, that's his question. Uh, by the way, the strange order of things, you know, the numbers skipping around, probably has to do with the demands of verse. You have to fit them into the meter. But actually, in the course of this, I just checked this out today, Krishna deals with every single one of them. 
Uh, he deals, with, first of all, he'll deal with the 26 and the 25, and then 7, 9, 6, 4, 11. Every single one of these, 17, 16, and 13, are mentioned by him in this verse. It's very, he remembered. <laughs> well, so, uh, uh, so this is uh, the, the, the question of Uddhava. Why did they calculate in different ways and what did they have in mind? So from 4 to 9, Krishna begins to answer why these very intelligent sages, all followers of the Vedas, and all in the Gyanic path, uh, how, how do they get these different numbers? Krishna says in 4, because all the material elements are present everywhere, it is reasonable that different learned brahmanas have analyzed them in different ways. All such philosophers spoke under the shelter of my mystic potency, and thus they could say anything without contradicting the truth. Uh, so what they do is yuktam. It's reasonable. Uh, it's proper. That's correct. So they... They say that uh, uh, they're all correct in a way, uh, because uh, all material elements are present everywhere, and so that'll be explained a little further in this chapter how this works, and so it's reasonable. And then it says they spoke under the shelter of my Maya. Uh, um, so that'll also be explained a little bit. Uh, five, when philosophers argue, I don't choose to analyze this particular case in the same way that you have. It is simply my own insurmountable energies that are motivating their analytic disagreements. So because they're thinkers, they argue, they debate, and they all have their reasons for doing this, and they all have to refute everybody else. And he uses the word that, again, mentioning that they, they uh, 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 say that his energies, his maya, is in, and he uses the word uh, duryachaya, which is the same you find in 714, difficult to overcome. Uh, uh, the maya is not so much... Uh, that they have, that they differ, but that they dispute about it. And Krishna will, will ultimately tell how you resolve this dispute uh, uh, a little later on in this chapter. Because then he goes on in text 6, by interactions of my energies, of those energies, different opinions arise but those who have, but for those, here's where he explains how you resolve it, but for those who have fixed their intelligence on me and controlled their senses, notice two things are there, fixing your intelligence on Krishna and controlling the senses, differences of perception disappear. And consequently, the very cause for argument is removed. So that's as far as we've gotten.
and discuss some of these in detail. This so we can go on further. Uh, we'll continue now. Uh, and now what happens in the next two verses, remember in state in, in text four, Krishna made the statement that all the elements are present everywhere or that every element includes all the other elements. Now Krishna is going to explain this further in the next two verses. So we'll start there. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So he says here in text 7, Paras Paranu Praveshat Tattvanam Purusharishabha Parva Parya Prasankhyanam Yatavaktur Vivikshitam O best among men, because subtle and gross elements mutually enter into one another, philosophers may calculate the number of basic material elements in different ways according to their personal desire. Uh, so you notice in this verse here, paraspara uh, uh, anupravesha, because of the entrance, anupravesha means to enter into, mutual, paraspara, uh, with one another. Because the causes are, you remember in, in the Vedic understanding there, Causes are both more subtle and more powerful than the effects, which explains why material science working up from gross to subtle <coughs> don't get very far. Uh, so they, this, the subtle causes are also preserved within the gross effects and vice versa the gross effects are suddenly present in the cause before their manifestation. Because in Vedic understanding, causes, whatever is in the effect is already in the cause. You don't have more in the, in the effect than is in the cause. Uh, uh, and if that happens, nowadays they ascribe it to chance. Uh, uh, so, and then, but 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 the the effects are also preserved within the cause. They're contained in there also. So, of the tattvas, all the various elements, there's this mutual interpenetration among them. And then these two words, porava, p a u r v a, porava, which is translated here in terms of prior causes and aparya or of the resultant pro products, right? So this pair of porva and aparya occur in the next two verses also. Yeah. So porva comes from the word purva to the long you purva meaning earlier or belonging to the past with a long U. 
and then you can intensify it horrible with a instead of a long U and A U, uh, a Sanskrit way of it's a ridi form called a ridi form, uh, having to do with the past, and then apara, here means later, following. Interestingly, Horva means, or Pura means east, and Apara means west also. Uh, because you're facing east, always the direction you're facing, it's taken if you're facing in a direction, it would be east, just like in, we normally think the direction you face would be north, you know. But in, in, in India, it's east, you face east. So that, that, that north is, is left and south is right and behind is the west. So that's this Korava Aparya, in front and in back. Uh, uh, apara also means uh, lower, para and apara. We see it there, para and apara, Kriti, the same. So this is Aparya, relating to uh, later things. Uh, so this is so Vishma Chakravarti Thakur said about this verse. Uh, he says uh, first he makes that remark that I mentioned that the statement of verse four that the elements are included in other elements is explained further in two verses. Because the elements enter into each other, they may be counted in their previous or later condition. Some say that the effects are in the cause, so they count the cause, the, pre, uh, the previous elements. Others say the cause and the effect, so they count the effect, the later elements, to maybe leave the other one out. Thus, there will be either less or more elements in counting. And then you may ask, why do we have to speak of entering into causes and effects? Why have fewer or more elements? And then he answers, they have various opinions according to their desire to speak. That's what he says here. And then in the, uh, the BBT, uh, to this verse, uh, the, uh, their comment is, uh, material, chain, material creation takes place as a chain reaction in which subtle elements expand and transform into progressively denser elements. Remember, subtle and gross. One way to understand subtle is less apparent to our senses and more apparent to our senses. So earth is the grossest element because it's perceived by all five knowledge-acquiring senses whereas space is the subtlest, it's only perceived by the sense of hearing, and so on. But there's subtler things than that, too. So they expand and transform into progressively denser elements. Since a cause is, in a sense, present within its effect, and the effect is subtly present within the cause, all subtle and gross elements has entered within one another. Thus one may categorize basic material elements in many different ways, assigning various numbers and names according to one's methodology. 
Although material philosophers proudly assume their individual theories to be supreme, they all speculate according to their personal proclivities and describe, as described in this in the following verse. So that's what it is. They then prefer their own method. There's a suggestion of a certain amount of pride or self-centeredness here, which is certainly there. So then Texada continues this discussion. Ekasmin apibrishyante pravishtani taritani cha purvasmin va parasmin va tattve tattvani sarvashaha So that same pair here is as purvasmin and parasmin, the prior and the latter. Uh, so the uh, running translation, all subtle material elements are actually present within their gross effects. Similarly, all gross elements are present within their subtle causes. Since material creation takes place by progressive manifestation of elements from subtle to gross, thus we can find all material elements within any single element. That's basically the purport to the last verse <laughs> here. Ekasmin apidrishyante pravishtani itarani cha. One element, it is seen that one element enters into all the other elements. Purvasmin, uh, 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 the subtle element, the earlier one, is... Uh, they give an example in the word for word, the dormant present of presence of ether within its cause, sound. Sound is first, and then sound produces ether. And then there's a further interaction, then you add one other object of sense perception, which is the object of the sense of touch, and then there's, uh, then there's air, uh, and so on. It's grosser as two tanmatras. So the, the earlier is like sound and parasmin uh, uh, in a ladder like the uh, air, the subtle presence of sound within air. So air comes about later, but the sound is still there. It's a cumulative. Uh, so in the case of every different new, new, new uh, uh, tattve, tattvani, other elements are in each element. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's just explain here. Vishnu uh, Chakravarti Thakur says, uh, The meaning of the previous verse is more elaborately explained in two verses. That is to say, 8 and 9 will now explain a little more about 7. The effect resides in a subtle form within the causal element, just as a pot is potential in a lump of clay. Clay is the material cause, what Aristotle calls the material cause of, 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 of a pot. Uh, and the causal element resides in the effects. The later elements 
followed after them just as clay is present in the pot. Same thing. BBT says, since material elements are present within each other, there are innumerable ways to construct and categorize the material creation of God. You can just slice it up in so many different ways. This is, you know, this is a very, fairly restricted sample of thinkers in the Vedic tradition. But you see it, the same goes on everywhere. They've all got their different ways of doing things. And they fight with each other. Ultimately, however, the significant element is God himself, which will be brought up later on, who is the basis of all transformations and permutations of the material cosmos. The creation of the material world takes place by a progression from subtle to gross elements, as explained in the Sankhya philosophy system of Lord Katila. And then they give the same example, mud within an earthen pot, uh, and uh, the dormant existence of an earthen pot within the mud. It's a potential. Similarly, one element is present in other, uh, and ultimately all elements rest within the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is simultaneously within everything. By such explanations, Krishna consciousness constitutes the ultimate scientific methodology for factually understanding this universe. Will they get there? <laughs> because Krishna is the most subtle of all, and also the most powerful. As subtle, at least, to imperceptible to many people. Of course, I mean, the, the idea of clarification of consciousness is that it makes the subtle more manifest. But if your consciousness is, is gross, it's not clarified, the modes of nature are predominating in different ways, then um, you, know, you can begin to get a hint about Krishna if you're situated in mode of goodness. But only a hint. You have to get beyond even the, that mode to actually pursue Krishna. So that's a methodology. How to do it? We have a methodology. We can say to people, you, "Yeah, you, I can see God. You want to see Him? Here's how you do it." Well, I don't want to give up smoking. I don't want to give up drinking. Well, then you're stuck, aren't you? Well, of course, the big, the big one. S E X. They're prisoners of sex. Okay, so now we can continue. Now in this verse, text 9, uh, the Lord gives a conclusion. Parvaparyam atonisham. So here's that pair again. Parva and aparyam. Ataha, in the ata, ato is, is the word for word, ataha. Therefore, so this is the therefore is here, right? Therefore, no matter what, oh, let me read the Sanskrit, porvaparyam matomisham, prasankhyanam abhipsatam, yata vivikram yat vakram, 
Therefore, no matter which of these thinkers is speaking, and regardless of whether in their calculations they include the material elements within their previous subtle causes or within their subsequent manifest products, I accept their conclusions uh, as authoritative because a logical explanation can always be given for each of the different theories. So that's his conclusion to this discussion. Therefore, no matter which one of these, think of these Amishan, which one of them uh, is doing the counting, there's this prasankyam. They say here the word-for-word counting, but the calculation is better. We're not making their calculation or their enumeration. Uh, and however they do it, I accept them. How yata victim, how they ascertain it. Uh, we accept uh, that which comes from their speech. Rinima. Rinima. We accept it. Uh, because of the possibility of yukti, of, of making appropriate, right? giving a, a reasonable defense of it. Uh, Vishnu Chakravarti says, I accept the logical conclusions of whatever has been stated based on their personal preferences of the philosophers who desire to enumerate less or more elements and emphasize either the cause or the effect, since each is a correct according to its logical explanation. So they're very broad-minded of Krishna. Uh, he's pretty cool about it uh, in this way. Although he's already said the disputes will end if you actually come to, you know, the ultimate thing. The BBT remarks, although innumerable philosophers may rationally describe the material creation from different points of view, one cannot perfect one's knowledge without Krishna consciousness. An intellectual person, therefore, should not be falsely proud simply because he has ascertained a particular truth within the material world. Uh, the Lord here states that one who follows the Vedic way of analysis will undoubtedly have many insights concerning the material creation. It's true, they do have many insights. And a particular philosopher will notice something that nobody noticed before, uh, and it'll, it'll open up the world in a certain way, and you'll see ways that you didn't see before. Like Aristotle was Plato's student. But Aristotle noted that Plato could not explain motion. Now, it never occurred to Plato that it was worth explaining motion, but Aristotle thought it was worthwhile. So he therefore gives a bunch of categories by which you can understand motion. And you can explain it in a certain way, and that held up until Galileo then found out that Aristotle was wrong. But anyway... But, so, but, but when you, if you, you, if you, if you, 
when I studied philosophy, it, it, it was like taking a certain pill. You, you read Plato and you take the Plato pill and you look out the world by Plato and it would light it up in a certain way. Certain things become really clear and comprehensive. And then you take the Aristotle pill and light it up in a whole other way. But it was also clear and coherent and interesting. And, they, and so they show things. You know, Karl Marx just noted the importance of power relationships and money relationships in human society. And he started to use it to analyze what was going on, and it lit up human society in a certain way. People may not be Marxist, but what Marx did, then that became the clue to all and everything. You know, it became, because it lights it up in a certain way, then what it doesn't light up or what it doesn't explain or what it leaves in the darkness, you ignore. But, there, but, but you know, there, he, he had an insight that nobody else had, but he took his little thing and made it the, 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 the key to everything. Uh, and he explained now, explained all of human history and nothing else matters but this. Everything else is an excuse for that. So it makes things simple, but also makes things wrong. Uh, but this is what the way philosophers do. They do have insights. It does show you something. And they're, so they're not exactly wrong. Uh, so this purport is quite right. If you really want to grasp the whole thing, uh, one must become a devotee of the Supreme Lord and perfect one's knowledge in Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada even mentioned that, that, that he said uh, uh, communism uh, is Shudra philosophy. Capitalism is Vaisha philosophy. So they, and it reflects their particular interests and their outlooks on, on life. But if you have, if you understand all of Varnashram Dharma and understand where that's situated, then you can include what was in, in those as, as specialized parts. You have a bigger understanding than anyone else. So now that ends that section, uh, really. Uh, Uddhav has asked this question. Uh, Krishna has given his answer, why philosophers? And then, very interesting, when we come to 10 verses 10 and 11, it seems like now we're going to actually deal with the particular philosophers. 10 and 11 deals with the supreme person. <laughs> Excuse me, the supreme person and his relationship to the conditioned soul. But what they're really about now is those who profound, propound 25 and 26 elements. And we'll see why we start, he starts with that. Remember in the very beginning, if you go back to the very first verse, Uddhava says, well, the first verses. Uddhava says, uh, I have heard you personally describe a total of 28 
but some say there are uh, 26, while others cite 25. So this, he starts with this, although he doesn't say that exactly. But out of a shark, he can pick it up. So 10. Anadya vidya yuktasya purushasya vedanam svatona sambhavad anyas tatvajno jnanado bhavet. So this seems like an abrupt change of subject, but that's what he's now dealing with. Because a person who has been covered by ignorance since time immemorial, anadi avidya yuktasya purushasya, the person, the purusha, who has been joined with beginningless ignorance, that is to say the conditioned soul, described as beginningless, which Prabhupada always says you cannot trace out its origin. Uh, because of a person who has been covered by ignorance since time immemorial, that's how Prabhupada always translates that, time immemorial, that following in. Because a person who has been covered by ignorance in time immemorial is not capable of his own self-realization, you cannot lift yourself out of ignorance by ignorance, by your own ignorance, or your own bootstraps. There must be some other personality who is in factual knowledge of the absolute truth and can impart this knowledge to him. Right? That's... Uh, so... This Purusha, Atma Vedana uh, is the process of self-realization. Swatadna uh, Sambhavat is not, it cannot happen by his Swataha, by his own ability or his own, uh, own efforts. Therefore, there must be Bhavet Anya, another. And that other is tattvajna, the knower of tattva, here translated as transcendental reality, or absolute truth, tattva. That's also tattva. There's different tattvas, but the tattva, the ultimate tattva, is the Supreme Lord. There must be tattva jnana and jnana and who can give knowledge, who knows the truth and who can give the truth. Because you can't get it if you're ignorant, you have to ha- it has to come from outside your ignorance. Ignorance only produces more ignorance unless there's an outside source. Right? So, it's explained here in Vishnu Chakravarti and picked up by, by the BBT purport, uh, that Krishna himself presents 28 tattvas. Now, some count the three modes uh, as one. The three modes are prakriti. And so that becomes one tattva. So instead of three, they just have one. So of those, some say there are 25 elements 
and others 26. Those who say 25 are those who count the jiva and the Lord in one category. So here Krishna refutes the 25 element proponents. This is the only one. Uh, they're not exactly wrong again. Uh, you'll see in the next text, he you know, gives them their grant their amount of truth. But he can't say that I, the jiva and the Lord are entirely identical in every respect. They're similar, but not identical. So Krishna here refutes the 25 element proponents that they're saying that there must be one different from the ignorant jiva who is tattva and jnana-da. Have you got that? So the BBT explained this. They, they say uh, Although the Lord tolerates different methods of calculating material causes within their effects and material effects within their causes, there cannot be any speculation regarding the two spiritual elements found in this universe, namely the individual soul and supersoul. Supersoul is the Lord insofar as he's participating in the material world aside from when he comes as an avatar, but otherwise, as a regular element of the ongoing creation, that's the super-soul. The difference between Bhagavan and super-soul is super-soul, you're dealing with the Lord only insofar as he's related to the material world and the jivas in it. So it's a limiting case, a limited view of the Supreme Lord. But then when he's in his own element, the internal potency, in his own proper kingdom, then he's Bhagavan. Same person, same tattva, but different views. And when you see that from a distance, then it's Brahman. Krishna clearly states in this verse, that the living entity is incapable of effecting his own enlightenment. The Supreme Lord is Tathagya, omniscient, and Jnanada, the spiritual master of the entire universe. Sri Uddhava mentioned that some philosophers describe 25 elements and others 26. The difference is that the 26 elements include a separate category for the individual soul and the supreme soul, Lord Krishna, whereas the proponents of 25 elements artificially merge the two transcendental categories of Jiva Tattva and Vishnu Tattva, hiding the eternal supremacy of the personality of Godhead. Knowledge based on the three modes of material nature cannot rise to the transcendental platform, whereas the personality of Godhead exists as a supreme enjoyer of eternal spiritual varieties of form, color, flavor, musical sounds, and loving affairs. Now here in this purport, by the way, they kind of conflate the super soul. I mean, strictly speaking, uh, in this 
chapter you're dealing with the Lord as super soul. Uh, Prabhupada gives an argument why super soul is inadequate because the Supreme Court is Supreme Lord is more than an order supplier for the jivas. He's got he's got more to do than just deal with the material world. I mean, is it hard for him to run a material universe or a bunch of it? No, not at all. For him, he would be bored. But what does he do? Um, so you can argue that the the concept of the Lord as as Paramatma is also limited and not adequate to his greatness. Our mundane philosophers simply bounce back and forth between material enjoyment and material renunciation. Being victims of Mayavada and personal perception of the absolute truth, they cannot achieve the shelter of the personality of Godhead and thus they cannot understand him. Because foolish impersonal philosophers consider themselves supreme, they are unable to appreciate that loving service exists on the spiritual platform. If you are embedded in the material element, energy, you rise by, you know, somehow to the mode of goodness. But you can do somehow by your own effort. From the mode of goodness, you, try, you glimpse into transcendence because you'll get some inkling of it. All you'll be able to be see is dazzling light, kind of cognitive brightness. Something is there, something great, something's attractive, but... Your report on not seeing no form, no taste, is just a report on, on your inability to see any further. It's a report on your own blindness. A blind person looks in the room, I see nothing. Then you think, well, that means there's nothing there. That's a little different. Uh, so then it goes on and, and you know, gives a little bit of... Uh, uh, consideration of the defects of Mayavad philosophy. I won't get into that now because you, you know them very well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so... Their, their analysis and the, the, the BBT purport they take from Vishnu Chakravarti. Uh, I accept there's, the objector says, I accept there's a different counting because of the inclusion of elements within others. How can some claim that the Jeeva and the Lord are different, maintaining there are 26 elements? Uh, and he says, because it is not possible for the jiva, whether covered by maya, avidya, or not. You see, Vishnu Chakravarti says this. Here it says, because beginning is in the ignorance, because, but Vishnu Chakravarti says, because it is not possible for the jiva, whether covered by avidya or not, even if he's not covered by avidya, even if you're a liberated soul, that's not enough. In other words, you actually need the mercy of the Lord. Uh, so he goes a little further than the verse. Because it is not possible for the jiva, whether covered by avidya or not, to have knowledge of atma on his own, there must exist a separate supreme lord. This is Vaishnava philosophy, he says here. Uh, 
so this is how I guess we'll, we'll have to stop here. Uh, yeah, we don't have time to get to uh, uh, eleven. So it's because twelve and 11, uh, ten and eleven go together. But but uh, this is as far as we can get now. Uh, and then from twelve to eighteen the Lord will give his own account of the 28 elements of creation. And then after that, from uh, 26 to 20, uh, then from, after that, from 19 to 25, he then mentions the, the different proponents of 7, 6, 4, 17, 16, 13, 11, and 9 tapas in that order here is what he gives them. Okay, so that's what that's what will happen. Okay, we'll stop there, and then next week we'll pick up right here with eleven. Uh, and uh, so now we'll switch over uh, on the phone. The Q&A session has started, and uh, so you can uh, uh, call in with a, with a question by hitting star six, and you can be heard by everybody on the conference call, and it will be conveyed to the people. I'll put my phone on. I have to put my phone on. Neither some I had to do. I'll put my phone on. So you can be, be heard. Uh, make sure the sound is up all the way. Volume's up. Volume's up. Oh, I think my earphone's off. There you go. Now you can hear me. Thank you. And then uh, if you're on, on uh, the Ustream, you can uh, text in a question or comment. It will be conveyed to the rest of us by text support. Any questions or comments? Here's a question from Gail. Go ahead, Gail. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Um, yeah, I just wanted a clarification about um, when you said that whether the jiva is covered by maya or not, I think you said maya, I'm not sure. But whether mm-hmm. the jiva is covered by Maya or not, he still needs the mercy of Krishna to understand the Atma. And so I was thinking that <clears throat> if you know, not being covered by Maya is synonymous with being awake, you know. You know, you might not know um, your, I guess, your siddha deha, your your eternal relationship with Krishna, but you would at least understand that your spirit, not, you know, spirit soul, not the body. So I'm not clear what that means to not be covered by maya if it doesn't mean you don't know the soul. You know what I mean? 
when, when you're, when you're, I, I, I can only, this is what Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur is. Yeah, let me repeat the question, okay. Yeah, I'm also trying to get my text in the right place. Uh, the, the question is, uh, let me see if I got it right. Uh, so, how, how is it possible that if you're not covered by a vidya, also not to know the Supreme? Uh, that, uh, that fair enough? If you're not, to, not if, know, if no, no, to not know the Atma. To know, not know the Atma. Oh, okay, yeah, because he says not to have not, uh, knowledge of not Atma. I, I, my way of yeah, would you, you would know yourself in part. You'd know I am not the body, I am a spirit soul. You would not you know yourself fully because you would not know I have a relationship with the supreme soul. Yeah. So that's partial self-knowledge. You would have no knowledge of your eternal spiritual identity in relationship with Krishna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then, there, therefore your knowledge of Atma would be limited. Mm-hmm. Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman. But I wouldn't know that I'm a cowherd boy, I'm a gopi. That's my, or I'm just that I'm the servant of Krishna, even. Yeah. That's my understanding. Uh-huh. Yeah, but when it just said Atma, without, it seemed like it just said you don't have knowledge of Atma without qualification, you know? Yeah, that's what, that, I, I, I'm just saying, this is, this is how they, they've translated what he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and it may be that Vishnu Chakravarti is simply speaking this way to emphasize how, in any case, you need the mercy of the Lord. Uh, and the Mayavad philosophers even may be getting some unknown, unacknowledged mercy of the Lord. Uh, but so he may just be mentioning that. So he may mean that or he may mean that the, 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 your full knowledge of Atma is, is still limited because the Atma is an individual. Because, because the relationship with Krishna is, is, is part of your eternal spiritual identity. There's a debate in Vaishnava circles of whether Shanta Rasa should be considered a Rasa because there's actually it's passive adoration. There's some appreciation of Krishna, but you don't do anything. So Shanta Rasa is sort of on that borderline between being a Mayavada and being a, de, being a devotee, knowing that God exists, but still not engaging in his service. Uh, 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 and uh, so that may nah, anyway there's these, these different possibilities that, that he may be uh, thinking about and that, that's as far as I can go uh, is this uh, uh, so, so either he ha- somehow or other uh, uh, the, the Supreme Lord is active without acknowledgement or you don't fully know what your atma is, but which which of those he's thinking of, I I, I can't say. There's two possibilities as far as I can see. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, yeah. You said one. The first possibility was what you said. 
The first possibility uh, is that when a jiva who's not covered with a vidya and now has some knowledge of atma that I'm not the body uh, and I'm a spirit soul, he may also not be able to do it on his own. He may receive unrecognized or unacknowledged help from the Lord. And you might say that we do everything uh, because they, by my mercy they forget me. People, people forget Krishna because of Krishna. And they remember Krishna because of Krishna. So he may be making a point like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, even if... Uh, <coughs> so, so, but there may be some jivas who it's not just a vidya itself that's behind behind their uh, ignorance. It's when that avidya is removed. It's not even by their own effort. It's by Krishna, and they, but some may not recognize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's actually what I wanted to follow up with. That you know, with, in what sense um, do does the jiva is the jiva able to at least become aware that he is spirit soul? But not, you know, not the full understanding of of his actual identity. But in what sense is he able to understand that he is the spirit soul on his own, quote unquote, without Krishna's mercy? You know what I mean? How can he understand that he's just spirit soul on his own? That's understood by 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 uh, the Sankhya philosophy people. Uh, They -hmm. understand that. Now, there's an atheistic Sankhya, which seems to propound, you know, there's a universe and that the the liberated jivas just enter into a kind of liberated isolation and doesn't go any further. Uh, And there's the Mayavadis. You understand I'm not the body. Uh, Yeah, but these people, they're able to understand that because what they just have, like by their karma, the ability to, I don't know, it's just like an intellectual, I mean, I don't well, know. They, no, they, it's, it's like the, the mode of goodness, if you're actually well established in the mode of goodness, <laughs> you can have some indistinct intuition about your own eternal identity, even though you don't know what it is. I think in a lot of religious traditions where people are, uh, are, are maybe come to the mode of goodness one way or another, they, they will have some, some sense of, the, of, of, uh, of transcendence and of their own place in transcendence. But it's vague, it's indistinct. Okay. And that, that's, that's, that's because of being in the material mode of goodness. When you're in the material mode of goodness, it means there's some a little ignorance and some a little passion is still there. But this transcendence is vishuddha sattva. It's purified goodness. There's absolutely no mode of passion and no mode of ignorance in transcendence because nothing is coming into being 
and nothing is going out of being. Mm-hmm. And there's also no mode of material goodness either, right? Well, that I... It seems... My, my understanding is that sattva is sattva. And the sattva in the material world is that sattva when it's bracketed to some degree by passion and ignorance. Mm. And they bleed into it a little bit, you might say. I always think of a white stripe in the middle and a blue stripe on one side and a red stripe on the other, but that red and that blue fade into the white, so it's not pure white. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's the same sattva, Mm -hmm. as far as I understand. Okay. Thank you, Mahara. All right? Yes, thank okay. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyone? And, and or Eric. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. This is Harinam. Harinam, okay. Hare Krishna. I really liked your explanation of the difference between Bhagavan and, and Super Soul, that, um, that Bhagavan is Krishna in his own element, in his own kingdom and that, he's, that Paramatma idea of God is, is limited. I'm, I'm, that, that was a, a good point. Um, my question is that somewhere in the class it just stated that sound, sound creates ether or, or space. But to, to me that, that seems, that, and then, then the logic is then that sound is more subtle than space, but to me that sounds counterintuitive. Uh, I, I, the sound that what we call sound is a vibration in the air yeah. caused by pressure of sound waves. Uh, however, in your mind, without opening your mouth, you can say the word well, sound. Right? You can pronounce it in your mind. Yes. That's sound in ether. So empty space is full of all kinds of different uh, uh, waves, you know. I mean, there's thing that travels through, through empty space. They call them waves, gravity waves and uh, light waves and all this stuff. Uh, many other things are there in empty space. So empty space is not nothing. And so the, the actual original sound, before yeah. we vocalize it, so it can, we use our mouth and our ears to produce that sound, my understanding is the sound that's in ether is a more primordial sound. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe when we say things in our mind, we yeah. remember a verse and we think thoughts with words, that's something like the sound in ether. That's my understanding. Okay, that, yeah, th- thank you. That, 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 and then that, somehow or other between our gross bodies, we have to, we yes, have to take advantage true. of air to, to, to... But radio waves travel through space, right? Yes. Radar travels through all kinds of stuff, you know. Okay. Thank you. Anything? You're welcome. Anything else? The next head is 
same or similar question. I'll just read this question in case you want to add anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Krishna Maharaj. I heard today, sound is the cause of ether. I'm unable to understand, as from material physics, I perceive that sound travels in air and space. Yeah, right. It appears to me that the sound is grosser than ether of space. How to understand that ether comes from sound? Yeah, yeah, sound is sound. Because it, bege- it begins with uh, omkara. You know, that, 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 that syllable om. And then, then that, from that you identify, it, it spreads out. And, uh, and the omkara is a-u-m. It represents, you know, the whole gamut of sound production. And you say that's based on the human mouth, but maybe it's the other way around. The human mouth is made so you can say a-u-m. <laughs> I don't know. But, but uh, anyway, that's, that, that's, that's the, the, the idea that, that sound is subtle. Dinesh uh, also says, in connection with the previous question, space slash ether is already there, creating space is not perceivable to me as it is subtle to my old brain. Yeah, we can't do it, right? I mean, you know, the, the, like... The Big Bang Theory, which Prabhupada has endorsed, by the way, except that, you know, the Big Bang was started by Krishna. But the idea of the Big Bang Theory is that there was like, there was a point, infinitesimally small and infinitesimally tiny, and then it expands. But when it expands, space expands. It's not a point in space. It's a point that contains space. So what's outside the point? You know, how can you even think about it, you know? There's already a limit. And there are things that can be described mathematically that there's no way that you can possibly imagine it uh, with our current array of senses and knowledge based on those senses. But mathematics gives you a glimpse of higher dimensions. Bhakti Siddhanta, who, is, who knew mathematics very well, said it shows you this thing. It gives you a glimpse of higher, more, more dimensions. And, uh, you know, you can have any number of dimensional space mathematically, and it works out. Well, this is... This is uh, 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 one one way we know the limitations of of our of our sense perception, because mathematics is is the most abstract of the sciences, and it's presumably true in all possible worlds, whereas the others are true only in the, this one. Okay, anything else? All right, then we will resume with text number 11 uh, and uh, Krishna's take on various thinkers <laughs> uh, next week. Thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to Srimad Bhagavatam. Prabhupada ki jai, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai.